This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It is your boy, Jonathan Macri, coming at you from the uh, Jonathan Macri podcast studio, otherwise known as the room where I do my laundry. Um, and it, it, such an esteemed, uh, you know, setup here needs an esteemed co-host. And no one is more esteemed than the one and only Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how are you, sir? I'm good, John. Yeah, I went to uh, I visited my grandfather. He's in Massachusetts. It was a very long weekend. Um, got to the beach for maybe an hour. That was nice. It was a good hour. But um, other than that, it was uh, it was just long. But I'm glad it's I, don't know, I, I wouldn't say I'm glad to be back or going back to work. But it's kind of nice to not have to run around consistently again. Well, how are you? It's funny you bring the whole going back up to work thing uh, up because I very quickly was so I don't know if you heard the DOE pushback in person learning for students until September 21st. And for anybody who is um, uh, new to listening to this pod, I am, in fact, during the daytime when it's not very hot out, um, a teacher that is uh, how the mortgage uh, gets paid, as it were. Um, so uh, I was under the impression that from now until the 21st of September, that I would be able to sit my fat ass on my kitchen. I have like a little bench um, that's like built into the wall and uh, basically operate from there for the next, oh, whatever it's going to be, um, week and a half. No, 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 Sir Cohen. Um, cause I got an email today and it's like, it's talking about in-person, uh, like safety standards for the school. Oh, that's interesting. Why? Yeah. I get, I, I figured it was like optional. So then I emailed the, the person that sent the email to me and I'm like, so you, this is like a choice, right? And they're like, no, you idiot. You have to be here. It's virtual from here. <laughs> At which point I wanted to reach my hand through the screen. I, you know what? I wanted to like knock myself out and then knock the person out who sent me the email. Um, but here we are. So in less than 12 hours from now, I will be walking into, we're recording later than usual on a Sunday. I'll be walking into my school building. That sucks. Um, so if I'm a little, I'm, I'm going to warn anybody. If I'm a little punchy tonight, that's, that's why. And you've been driving for like most of the day, right? Yeah, I would say I've, I probably drove about five hours today. Okay. So there, there's, there's going to be some, some maybe minor consternation on the pod. Um, here's what we're going to do today. Um, we both think that 
um, the most interesting thing that has to do with the Knicks that's going on right now uh, actually has nothing to do with the Knicks at all. And it is the basketball that's being played in the playoffs because, um, as I wrote about earlier this week or last week, I guess it's all running together. Um, you know, the Knicks are in a unique position in terms of what they could do this summer and, and over the next several summers building their team. Uh, I gotta stop saying summer off season, off season. The summer is done as shown by the fact that I'm going back to school tomorrow. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing on the floor from the really good teams in the league and what it makes us think about in terms of, um, the Knicks and, um, how, you know, they should be seeing this maybe. Um, but before we do that, there were three names that came up this week in the NBA news that did actually pertain to the Knicks. And I thought we'd just bounce around really quickly and on a scale of one to 10, talk about how, I guess, interested we are in these things as storylines. So um, I'll throw it to you, Jeremy. Who do you want to start with? Mike, the Mike Conley thing, the Donovan Mitchell extension, rumored extension, I guess you'd say, or um, our wild card, Joel Embiid, apparently not being a very happy human. How about we go start with Embiid and then we've got two Utahs to work together. On. Okay. So um, I maybe Knicks fans. So Embiid sent out a tweet earlier in the week or last week, I guess maybe I think it was just like, I'm still not happy. And then there were some other like petulant, like teenage high school boy type or maybe teenage high school girl. I don't know, whatever type tweets from him. Um, I had been operating under the impression that like, there's no way shape or form that they would ever consider trading him this summer. And I found this interesting, let's say a three out of 10, because I think for the first time that belief has wavered a little bit. Where, where are you on this one? I don't really see Embiid going anywhere right now. You know, it would kind of be, it kind of feel like a failure. I, I would say that a lot of what Philly has done has been a failure to begin with in terms of their signings and how they harsh like, burn. Yeah. I mean, it's well, <laughs> hot take here. I know um, the idea though, of separating their two best players, especially when Ben Simmons was out with an injury. I know something tells me they're going to try to make it work a little bit more. Um, but with him being, I mean, I, I, I'm not happy because I have to see his commercial Every like single commercial. Oh, it's so, it's, it's just so, so stupid. Who can I, f- I, I, the person I hope got fired for making that. What a dumb commercial. Anyway, sorry. It's terrible. Uh, yeah. But it's, you know, it's that sort of thing. I think that even if he is to go somewhere, um, I mean, it would make a lot more sense to send him other than a division rival. Although if you're the Sixers, you're kind of handicapping the, the Knicks at a certain point, because it's like, we're making them good enough to uh, be better than where they are, but not nearly good yeah. enough to be a good team. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even at the point where like I I've written fake MB trades uh, in the past and I'm done with that for a while. I just, it, it's, I, I, again, I figured that they, those two would have the whole season, but now like, you know, uh, what's his face? Jay Wright backed out of the coaching search. Um, I, I guess it's going to be Ty Lue. Maybe they're waiting on D'Antoni. I, I don't know. It's just like there's more uncertainty with the situation than I figured there would be by this point. And um, I don't know. It, it raised an eyebrow. Okay. Um, that's enough on Joel Embiid. Um, next, uh, Donovan Mitchell or Mike Connolly. Who you want to go to? Let's go Mitchell. 
Okay. So um, for those who don't know, uh, Yahoo, Chris Haynes, I believe it was reported that Donovan Mitchell is sources say that Donovan Mitchell is going to sign the max extension that's going to be offered to him um, on um, whatever, when, when free agency begins. Um, this was more than a five. This was closer. This was like a six or a seven for me because I, you know, I, I guess I just stopped figuring out how to discern my own bullshit from itself, which is really just not, does not speak well of me as a human. Um, no, but I really, I thought that there was a possibility that he would sign like to like, want to sign like a three plus one or something. Um, that said, maybe I shouldn't even be as concerned because, you know, I was listening to the, um, Windhorse uh, hoop collective earlier today and I forget which of the guests it was, but made a good point. Like when you get to a certain level as a player, you know, and I know people is like, oh, it would be unprecedented for a guy with X amount of years on his contract to demand a trade or, or try to seek a, a new home. Like when it gets to a certain level of player, if a guy wants out, he's going to like he's there. It's 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 not going to end well for the team um, or at least not end in the way that they want it to end. So I, I, to me, it's like, yes, it matters. But if it if you thought that Mitchell was potentially going to force his way out of Utah before this, I'm not sure this should drastically change your thinking. Yeah. OK. It always felt like a long shot to me. I mean, we could talk about the opportunities and how it would work. And the pieces that it would take, but it still always felt like the idea of getting a restricted free agent and Utah's star out of Utah well before any point. You know, I I think the thing that's more confusing for me is unless Donovan Mitchell really wants to be in Utah, he's basically saying I'm very much cool with half of my career or around there being in Utah. And then we could kind of go to the factor of, well, maybe he is perfectly happy there. Maybe he doesn't love uh, some of the racism that he sees I'm, I'm in Utah. Not, but I'm still not buying it. I, maybe like, not. You know, he, he could probably think, <laughs> "Let me, I can get paid now, and then no matter what happens, I can always try to force my way out. But it's interesting to me, though, because he'd have more leverage now than he would at any point under contract that's not like but that, the last year. Doesn't that get back to the idea? And again, we have not reached this precipice yet, I don't think. But are we not maybe reaching a point? And, and this, we could talk about this more on another show where like at one point a star is going to sign a max extension and then halfway through or halfway through the first season or a season into it, it's just going to be like, I don't want to be here anymore. So figure it out. Like I, what is stopping someone from and maybe he's not the guy, but I just that's that's the only thing that's in the back of my mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Utah is better than what we saw them as, especially because missing Bogdanovich was probably the difference between them making the second round and not. You sure. could probably argue. I can, no, I can see that. Yeah. But you could then argue like, well, what difference does that really make? Because it, I don't see a world in which they are beating either the Clippers or the Lakers. And, you know, I, I would. I don't know. I, I think that it's very easy, especially when you're on that team, to kind of uh, want to stick with it. I I read somewhere, it was this weekend, or I, I listened to it, something, where someone said that it's a lot harder for players to accept something's over than it is for others. Because if you're kind of in the thick of it, um, you're able to kind of see like, oh, well, well you're, you're, too, you're too attached to it. Whereas fans, it's a little bit different. We're, we're seeing it from... Um, 40 miles or, you know, 10,000 miles above whatever it's, you want to use. It's a good call. Yeah. 
So in that case, if you're Donovan Mitchell, you could say, well, look, I don't like Rudy Gobert as a person, but he's the best defensive center in the game. And we were missing some shooting. We've got some great or good talent around us. We could use uh, the mid-level exception. Maybe we work a trade. You know, who knows? We can beef up our bench and I'll take a step forward. I, we got this. So I think that's probably what his mindset is. And I can't blame him for thinking that way if that's how he thinks. So I think that's a great transition. Um, we're, sorry, did I, I feel like I cut you off. Like I said, I'm jumpy. I'm jumpy here. That's okay. No, I'm done. I, I think what's <laughs> everything that needs to be said about Donovan Mitchell. Probably been said. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's not talk about Donovan Mitchell for a while on this podcast. Uh, if, if we can, let's make a promise, a pinky promise to each other. Good transition to Mike Connolly. So Knicks fan TV, um, I think it was CP, um, reported, uh, that he heard from a source that, uh, I, I guess the main part of the story, so we don't get it mixed up is that, Trading Julius Randle is the number one offseason priority for the Knicks, um, which, I mean, if anybody who watched the Knicks play basketball last year, um, I'm, I'm probably is pretty happy to hear that. Um, the the other part of it was that there is I, I don't I didn't I should I should have actually heard it, but I'm going secondhand here that. The rumored deal, I don't know if it's been discussed. I don't know if it's like, you know, something somebody said might could maybe possibly happen would have Randall going to Utah and uh, Mike Connolly coming back to the Knicks along with draft considerations. So this would be a full on salary dump essentially for Utah. And so I wrote my newsletter this morning, um, a brief one analyzing this in which I, I just, I can't see how this would make sense for Utah from a basketball perspective because it it doesn't make them better on the court and they would still there would still be other ways for them to add um, talent um, using the mid-level exception this summer. And then a couple people reached out to me and they're like, I, you may not really have taken enough time to consider the fact that Utah may just be in dire financial straits and they just may want to save as much money as they can. And that could be all that this is about. And I, and it's interesting that you a minute ago were talking about talking, you know, Donovan Mitchell talking himself into, see, I already broke the rule. I mentioned Donovan Mitchell again, whatever, <laughs> um, talking himself into, well, we could be a step closer. Well, this to me is, is then especially interesting, right? Because to me, this doesn't make them a better basketball team. And I, I'm not sure I'd be ever be able to convince myself of that. Um, and I don't doubt the so I don't doubt CP, CP. I don't doubt the source. I, I I I think there's credence to this. I guess I'm just confused um, more than anything. I don't know that I would be able to put a number on it, but it's it's interesting to me. It's 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 definitely interesting. I think a big point of confusion is that we're so used to praising Mike Conley, generally speaking. Obviously, not last year. Uh, and we're very accustomed to slandering Julius Randle. So the idea of trading a bad for a good and also getting picks on top of that or some sort of um, you know, draft pick uh, trade, something. whatever it would be. Something right? decent. It's like you're telling me we're getting something that's really good or good and we're getting something even better on top of that. It's kind of um, – it's just very baffling to us as Knicks fans. So like for me – I still honestly can't get over the fact that the Knicks have an additional first round pick this year. 
it still doesn't really sink into me because I'm and, so and 38 free. and 38, which is going to be good. Right. Yeah. So that's, I feel like this is one of those trades where we could say like it makes no sense for the Knicks on paper at all. Why for the earth, jazz on paper? Sorry, the jazz. Yes. Yeah. Why on earth would the jazz do this? And then the jazz is like, well, because we have no money. And it's like, oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I think the big thing as well is we have to understand how Utah operates. They're a small market team. So for us, cap space is very different for them. So I want to kind of like walk people through their financial situation. So right now, they are supposed to have Rudy Gobert and Ed Davis hitting unrestricted free agency as lo- along with Mike Conley for the 2021 offseason. So that's a and year from Donovan right now. Mitchell. And then they have Donovan Mitchell who's eligible to hit it in 2021 as a restricted free agent. But based on the report, if we're going to believe it, uh, he's going to agree to a deal beforehand, as in before the season starts, which would impact their future spending. Because instead of his cap hold being, you know, 15 million, it's going to be 25% of next year's salary. Cap. Yeah, well, no, but no, hold on. It's not next. It's not this up this for this upcoming season. He is still signed to the rookie number. Correct. So I'm saying in terms of how the money would work, where if he didn't sign, he would only, his cap hold would be yes. million. Yeah. No, the, the, the day that free be- agency starts in 2021 at midnight, he uh, counts for whatever it's going to be. $28 uh, million against cap. Yeah. So figure that uh, if Rudy Gobert is staying and the jazz decide that they want to keep him long-term, then that's also going to impact them because his cap hold is going to be huge. It's going to be bigger than what his current contract is, which is like 25 million. And we don't know what the salary cap is going to look like afterwards. So what this all basically comes down to is Mike Conley coming off of their books doesn't help them long-term because it doesn't create any future spending and it eliminates uh, trade, like what you can use as uh, as matching salary for a trade. So what I look at Julius Randle, and it doesn't have to be Randle exactly, but it's a type of player where Basically, the Jazz getting a player who has multiple years on his deal in exchange for Conley, who's only one year out, it makes sense to them because they can then try to use Randall as a trade ship. Now, I know people might be thinking, use Randall as a trade ship. What? But well, again, as an expiring salary in a year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if worst, worst case scenario, he's only due $4 million. So for them, it's kind of like, well, we're trying to think long term well, here. Wait a minute, and though. Hold on. Oh, wait, no. Oh, I see what you said. So they, if they don't use him as a trade ship, they can just, uh, I see what you're saying. They could cut him. But I, I, I thought we were going to get back into our conversation about if he's traded the whole, it, the, the salary does fully guarantee, right? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, if it's right now. No, 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 not right now. But if he gets traded after what's the what's the drop? Whatever. We don't need to talk about this right now. Continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I mean, that's basically it, where it's the jazz trying to say um, we realize that maybe Conley isn't going to work out long term. So instead of him just kind of let's have this one last ride with him, let's try to get him for something else that we can then turn into something else. And that is what essentially the Randall deal to me is for them. And if it's a disaster, again, they can just wipe him clean the year after. I think actually the thing that I did not think about it until you literally just said it right now is them maybe wanting to get someone back with a, a second year of salary 
B, a salary that if they can't use in a trade, they could just wipe off the book. Not completely because it's four million guaranteed, but wipe off the books. And C, perhaps the most important part is an is a I don't want to say it's an easily workable salary in a trade, but like, look, you can't trade 30 million dollar contracts and five to 10 million dollar contracts ain't getting you very far in trade discussions either. The the money spot that you want to be in terms of packaging assets together is in that like 10 to I feel like 20 still a little bit on the high end, but you're you're in the conversation. So for it's just amazing to me that they would do a trade that makes to me literally no sense on the basketball court. But um yeah, I uh, hey, let's oh, and we're legally obligated to mention that uh, Mike Connolly is represented by Leon Rose. CAA. CAA. It's formerly Leon Rose. But yeah. Well, but you know what, though? That Here's why that matters. Because if it really is a salary dump and they're really committed to getting off the the salary of the books and not taking much back, whether it's taking back Derek Rose from Detroit or Kelly Oubre from Phoenix or, um, you know, Terry Rozier from Charlotte. There are others. There are other teams that are under the cap that could send back a salary that could make this deal work and get them under the cap. Um, but. Uh, the fact that Connolly is a CAA guy, I wonder if there was some something to like, all right, we're just we're not going to dump Mike Connolly to Atlanta or um, Detroit, you know. So, yeah, listen, if it happens, man, I'll be dancing in the street. I love Mike Connolly. I've always loved Mike Connolly. And maybe he could finally make an all star team because it'll be the Eastern Conference. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah, it's a crowded West. He's finally got his chance. He's, and listen, Mike Conley's still good. I, for, forget what you may have read in the first half of the season. Go look at his numbers for not the forget the playoffs in which he was pretty good, but the last um, nineteen games of the the regular season, some bubble games, some pre bubble games. He he got his he got his groove back. Okay, I think we're we're on target to do what we promised and finish this podcast in in under uh, forty minutes, so we we don't literally start punching at our computer screens. Um, there's basketball being played right now. Um, it's really good basketball. It's really high level basketball. Um, and I don't know how you feel, but if, well, any, anytime you watch the playoffs, obviously you, you're going to pick up on things that you're like, man, this looks like kind of where the league might be headed. Like I, I'll always, it'll stick in my mind last season watching the Raptors and be like, man, the value of having five guys who could defend on a string and just having a rotation full of players, none of which are bad on defense. Like that to me was like, okay, this is where the league is going. And I think to a certain extent it is. This season for me feels like I'm watching the future of basketball far more than any other postseason that I could remember. Um, and maybe it's like the fact that we got the pocket rockets doing their thing. Maybe it's the fact that the Celtics are just ahead of schedule and they just throw out a bunch of wings and say here, um, uh, maybe it's the heat. Uh, it's similar to, to what Celtics doing. How do you feel? And like, I, and then we could transition into like, what, what do you think the Knicks should be thinking watching this? Yeah, I agree. It's been fascinating to see, especially in the East, just the matchups that, have been going on. So, I mean, the the fact that the Bucks and the Raptors for the, the regular season let up the most threes 
the entire season. Yeah. And yet they had two, the two best defenses. And now both are finding themselves down. Um, assuming, of course, as we're watching, uh, it's about the fourth quarter is about to start for the Celtics Raptors, assuming the Raptors don't go on a ridiculous fourth quarter tear. I think it's fair to say that um, both of those teams will be down and facing elimination at the next game. So to me, it's it's really fascinating to see how they're building it. And uh, it's really this. It's getting a top 10 player. And uh, well, I mean, the one argument you could say is no, Celtics. don't Celtics, make it. Celtics don't don't listen. He's there. He, I think he's really close, but he's at, he's getting to that point where he's going to be there. He's, I, 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 maybe next season he's there. I OK, keep keep going. I think I actually I made a know. list in my phone a few days ago because I was thinking about the same thing. Keep, continue. Yeah, I just don't know who you necessarily rank him ahead of. I mean, maybe you could say Doncic. Just based on where they're at in their respective careers. Oh wait, I I, I, this is this is how insane I am. I actually did make a list. Um, Kate, LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, Kawhi, um, Doncic. Wait, no, this is an old top ten list. Man, I really think about basketball too much. I think he's in there. It's it, listen. Let me just say that I think he's in there. Yeah, even so, he's he's around there. Let's for the sake of it. Um, again, it's just it's just having a top ten player. That is the biggest thing. I mean, of course, you could then say, well, Joel Embiid is probably a top ten player, and he couldn't even get out of the first round. And he said, yeah, of course, because I mean, you have to have some team building around you. But this also, and this will tie into an article that I'll have about Mitchell Robinson, which comes down to maybe how we value big men and what they're worth. And, and just a, a quick thing on that, uh, just like a, two minor gripes, I guess. Please. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners probably are on Twitter. So two things I just want to say about Twitter that consistently irk me. Um, the first is like when you can take something and turn it into a completely different conversation. And that wasn't it. So just for reference. Oh, that's called, you know what that's called? That's called Twitter. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, and that's the beauty of it, isn't it? So this past week, I basically just said, these are kind of how these teams are doing with uh, bigs in terms of like every team, the eight teams that made it to the next round. Um, here's how much they're paying their bigs who don't shoot at all. Um, and it was interesting to see how this year it's like Zubats is the uh, only guy who's being paid more than like $7 million. And so to me, it's like, is this representative of the future? And if that's the case, how does that affect the Knicks and probably their best player, Mitchell Robinson? And so, again, the first thing was like, OK, well, I'm just staying the facts here because this is something to keep consider to, to keep in mind as you consider it. And then from there, it's like, OK, well, uh, well, are you saying that the Knicks should let him walk? It's like, no, I'm just pointing out how much these people are making and how much Robinson would make and the dilemma there. And then the second point was that I had so many people commenting saying like oh well bam and trez are gonna make a whole lot more so this is a, a ridiculous thread and it's like no read the friggin thread guys it's it's basically just saying that i'm of the belief that going over the salary cap to pay those types of players makes a lot more sense than cutting into your cap space to do it well and for both of those teams especially if the uh the heat are able to land another max caliber player in 2021 and i fully believe that they will it's just a matter of who then it's it's like okay, well, that's the perfect time to reward him. But also, that, Bam Bam is a not 
he's a the best playmaking five this side of Nikola Jokic. So that that's he has, another he has other wrinkles to his game. Oh my God, does he have? He has wrinkles galore. Sorry, I want that noted for the record. Yeah. So that's kind of what had been frustrating me because it's sort of thing like as we see these other teams, it is fascinating to me how much cheap labor for um, big men who don't shoot, how much of a factor that is. And they're really looked more as kind of like an ornament as opposed to maybe a Christmas tree or the Christmas tree. Stand. And and just remind me, did you have Daniel Theus in your list of guys who can't shoot? I don't remember, but he, Be- but I don't look at him as an, as a uh, non-spacing big because he has a shot that can at least be exactly. respectable. And that guy makes like Randall. For example, I think he took 3.6 threes per game this past year. And I was just looking at his uh, shots before we went on air and it's astounding how many of them he took that were either wide open or that were categorized as open or wide open. It's of those 3.2, I think it's 3.1. And he performed terribly. It was like 28% from uh, wide open, from open and 32% from wide open. So again, to me, it's like if you can't make shots or want to attempt shots when players are closing in uh, and he's not doing it from when they're nowhere near him, that clearly shows that players aren't going to respect his game. And especially when he's making $18 million, that's absurd. So again, to a team like the Jazz, I don't see why having a ball-stopping <laughs> four who should play the five it's absurd. really overlapping or who is overlapping skill-wise with a guy like Gobert makes sense to them. But if they feel like we have our talent in the building – so we're trading, we're trimming the fat by bringing him in here. Then it makes a lot more sense to trade for someone like that. It's listen, it, it, if Mitchell Robinson had a little rim protection, sorry, not Mitchell Robinson. If I was about to say, if Mitchell Robinson had a little rim protection to his game, that's the one thing he has. If, if Julius Randle, uh, had a little rim protection to his game, um, and you could play him at the five, a substantial amount, then maybe he's worth something in the vicinity of his contract. Um, I feel like he'd be, he'd have to shoot a little bit more. It, it, I don't want to talk about Julius Randle anymore. Cause I'm going to say something not nice. Um, to your point about Mitchell Robinson um, and the thread that you did, I saw it and I retweeted it because I thought it was instructive and listen, um, I, this is a really difficult conversation to have because on one hand, I don't know how anybody could watch the games that we're watching in these. The, the, like, this is basketball now. This is where basketball is going. And I'm going to have a piece, a long piece in the newsletter for, for Tuesday when this podcast drops in which I'm really going to get into this. And the, at the end of the piece, I just want it noted at the end of the piece, I'm going to conclude by saying, does this mean that I would trade Mitchell Robinson? The answer is no. But, but, but I don't know how you watch what we're seeing and don't think to yourself, man, um, if this guy has a really good year uh, and he signs a contract that's going to be in the vicinity of 15, 17, maybe upwards of 20 million dollars. There's so many questions that that raises with how every how the best teams in the league are playing. And can you commit significant money to a five who is only a five? He cannot play another position. He's a five um, who is does not shoot, does not play make, 
um, at least as of now. And listen, if he comes out this season and, and he starts doing stuff on the short roll and he maybe takes a three a game and makes some of them, then this maybe this is a different conversation. And I'm, I'm, I hope we're having that conversation. Um, but it's at least like these are things that they, I hope they are thinking in the front office, even though he is two years away potentially from unrestricted free agency. Um, yeah, I'm just enamored with with what some of these teams are doing. I love watching the Rockets. I guess I'm in the minority on that. Do you like watching the Rockets, Jeremy? I'm mixed. I I really don't love watching Westbrook in that system. Okay, other than Westbrook, I, yeah, well, I don't like either. I guess I kind of tolerate them. You know, like sometimes it can be beautiful how they get open shots, um, especially a lot of the passing and Eric Gordon House. It can be a lot of fun, especially if they. Um, I mean, House killed it. Uh, I think last game he had like 11 points in a quarter or something, something great. They got guys that could go on little mini runs. And that's a lot of fun, but I don't know how sustainable that is long-term. I, I I think it's a a testament to Daryl Morey for constructing his team because it's like, you, you also shouldn't look at them and think like, oh, they could just throw any six, seven athlete on the floor or six, eight athlete on the floor that can move a little bit and it's going to be fine. Well, no, check the numbers with Jeff Green in the game last night versus, or I should say Saturday night versus when PJ Tucker, it's like he went and like once he had a guy in PJ Tucker, that's the reason he knew he could trade Clint Capella. I just think it's, it's interesting that this, this guy who gets a lot of shit, Daryl Morey was like, you know what? Why do I have to do it the way everybody else is doing it? When I have the personnel to do it this other way and have it make sense. And I just, you know, I admire the, the lack of constraint is that maybe that's, I don't know if that's the best turn of phrase, but I, you know, the thinking outside the box and the, and the willingness to, to do something that everybody else quite frankly thought was stupid or, or over, overdoing it at the time, you know, um, you know, when we're sitting here with a roster that just has all the malleability in the world, with the, ex- with the exception of Julius Randle, who can only be one thing and he can't even be that thing very well. Um, I, j- I hope they're watching, man. That's all. That's all. I'm, that's, I guess that's really all I have to say. I hope they're watching. I think one thing that's also really fascinating to me, too, just going on the conversation of big. So I have this Mitchell Robinson piece that should be coming out this week. And what with the research I looked at, I kind of looked at the last 10 years worth of conference finals appearances and the players who were on them. And I, I tried to find well-paid non-shooting bigs. Um, I guess I, I think I said non-elite at the time, but um, one of them or two of them might qualify. So I might actually change that. But by my count, the guys who kind of fall into that category of just uh, well-paid and don't shoot, it's essentially nine of those teams have them. It's um, what Tristan Thompson, Four times. We know why, because they had LeBron James. Jonas Valanciunas, who um, the Raptors retooled, and then they traded for Kawhi, and then they traded Valanciunas for a big who can actually shoot in Gasol. Uh, Roy Hibbert, twice. They had a top 10 player in Paul George. And a Marc Gasol Different in league back then, a little bit. Very much so. Worth worth noting. Right, yeah. Marc Gasol in Memphis. He didn't shoot when they made it. Amari Stoudemire, who we know did not do it. And Tyson Chandler, who won Depoy. And I mean, it was after he was in Dallas, I believe, with the Knicks. And, but 
Also Still. worth worth noting, greatest shooting uh, big man of all time was on that team, so it balanced what what Chandler uh, didn't give them. Right. So of those nine, um, it was four of them happened uh, in 2014 or earlier, which just goes to show. And you might be thinking, what about Clint Capella? He had not earned his contract yet. He was still with uh, he was still on a rookie contract, which, again, is like you're able to build around cheap labor. And that's what I look at with this draft. I think that a big thing here is building a team that can essentially try to uh, be a great supporting cast. And you want to find talent, of course, because if no player comes to New York, then you're left with a, a good team or, that's deficient in talent. Yeah, but if you build uh, if you start. build a nice core, then it makes it more likely that that guy is going to look at you like Jimmy Butler did with Miami. Well, and granted, I was they have going to say there you go. The, the Heat are a great example. And fans could say, well, the Heat didn't really rebuild. And sure, you could say that. I mean, they had some pretty high draft picks. But the big thing to me there is they've had time to demonstrate a culture. And they've had consistency at the, from top to bottom. Especially, I mean, with Spolstra and even more so Riley. So it takes time to build that. But if you're able to assemble a team that's like, you know, Tyler Harrow anywhere else, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a good player. <laughs> but on the he looks like Larry fucking Burns. Yeah. So that's, that's where I look at it. Where How can you go in on this draft and find, even if it's high floor players, they're able to show free agents, this is what we can do. This is how the talent will fit around you because at the end of the day, adding shooting and adding defense, like th- that's going to go a long way no matter who is on your team. You just need elite talent to help maximize those guys and make your floor much higher to the point where you're talking about what the ceiling is instead of what the floor is. And, and just if I could highlight, so put the Lakers – Put the Lakers and the Clippers outside of this conversation because it's it's unfair, I think, to have a conversation about the proper way to build a team when you have two top 10 guys. Right. Because that almost relegates anything else that you do. Like it doesn't not that it doesn't matter, but doesn't matter nearly as much. And I also kind of want to put aside Denver because they happen to luck into the greatest passing big man of all time who also happens to be able to, to shoot and they built their team wisely um, around that very specific skill set. But if you look at the Rockets and you look at the Raptors and you look at the Celtics and you look at the Heat um, and even put the Bucks aside because they just, it's like, okay, we have Giannis. What are we going to put around Giannis? We're going to put shooting around Giannis. That was simple enough. But those other four teams, Houston, Toronto, um, Boston, and Miami, it's not only shooting, it's not only defense, but it's just that every one of their guys that they put out there can put the ball on the floor, make smart decisions, um, like can play within a concept at both ends. Like there's never, you know, you don't ever feel like there's a weak spot. And these are guys, some of these guys, like you mentioned Daniel House before, like anybody could have had Daniel House. Anybody could have had Daniel Theus um, or Tice, excuse me. I always mispronounce his name. Um, on, on Boston and like uh, Toronto, God knows, talk about guys that anybody could have had, um, Norm Powell and Fred Van Fleet and like guys like this. It's just, you know, if you, if you go 
all in on versatile players who maybe they're not great at anything. Like a lot of the guys we're talking about, they're not great at anything, but they work hard and they're good at a lot of stuff. And with three picks in this upcoming draft and more cap space than any team in the league except for Atlanta, boy, do they have an opportunity to mold this team in a much, much, much different image than it was last year, which was unwatchable basketball for most of it. Um and it goes to your conversation, maybe what I want I was going to say a few months ago, but it certainly wasn't that long ago, uh, maybe eight months ago or so about the margins, finding players within the margins. And I still would say it's it's probably a little bit more financially than maybe what you would define it as. But a lot of the guys that they found in Utah were undrafted or 50th pick. And uh, I mean, yes, house, of course, but PJ Tucker Went in the second round and no one really... Anybody could have had Ingles? All of these guys. And so it's up to the Knicks to find these players who can do a great job, especially a lot of these guys are probably going to be closer to 24, 25. So they're going to be closer to their prime, which again, it doesn't mean they have to be great. They just have to be high floor guys who are on cheap contracts. And when they're owed an extension, you're willing to pay it, especially because the fact that you're hoping that you have other guys in your house and you can then exceed the salary cap to re-sign the margins guys. So that's the whole goal, in my opinion. That's the purpose. That's that's I, why you're able that, – that's what separates a good team from a great team. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. yeah so uh, what separates a really great team from a, a just so-so great team is, uh, again, getting that top, top, top talent. But um, – and, and if we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times, you know, build it and they will come, you know, Steve, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, they, <laughs> they, 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 they forgot the first part. Um, and uh, it, it looks like Leon Rose is not going to make the same mistake, which is why, you know, I, I mentioned it in a newsletter, uh, maybe it was a week or two ago that I, I have heard that again, the word that was, has been associated with this season, at least to me, We'll see what ends up happening. You never know is one of experimentation that they are going to experiment this year. And if that actually comes to fruition, then, you know, God bless everybody who uh, is, is running this team now, because that's exactly what they should be doing. Jeremy Cohen. Um, I think we, we've, we've, I think we've pushed ourselves past the limit. I feel, I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, I would agree. The fact that we recorded a podcast that was, around the time we said we wanted to is a miracle in itself. It is. So I think we should applaud ourselves. I'm going to a couple claps right there. Uh, I don't think I, again, because I'm so drained, I forget if I said it at the top. I don't think I did. I did a a fantasy football draft before this podcast, and I am now 12 minutes away from doing um, another fantasy football draft, an auction draft, actually. So I got to be on my um, on my toes. Anything from you uh, before we get out of here? No, just I have an article for the Strickland coming out this week on Mitch. Excited to receive a lot of hate. It's not that's the other thing. It's like it's not even me necessarily saying trade Mitch, um, but people will take it how they will. So uh, I'm all ears. Make my notifications pop. Let's do this. Let's let's get it on. You know, I think uh, yeah, this, this is how I'm going to sign us off. I think Tom Thibodeau has a saying. Maybe it's not a saying. No, I think it is a saying. He likes things to be uncomfortable. He lives in the he, he relishes the the discomfort of of a situation because it is it is in the discomfort that growth happens. And Jeremy Cohen, I applaud you 
not just because I'm kind of thinking along the same lines, but I applaud you for for making things uncomfortable and in the hope that growth happens. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I got nothing. Uh, subscribe to the Next Film School uh, newsletter if you haven't already done so. Um, coming at you five days a week. Uh, go ahead and feel free to rate this podcast. Um, subscribe if you're not subscribed and uh, leave a review if you'd like. Thank you again for all the kind reviews. Keep them coming. means a lot. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the show and we will be back with you with another stellar episode before you know it. Until then, have a great week and giddy up. <laughs>